Hi, Josh. Hi, Ellie. How's it going? It's uh, super fantastical. Really? Yeah. Cool. It's not. I, I'm not feeling the greatest, but, um, you know, slogging through it. Yeah? Cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, uh, we're about to play an episode with Pilar Gerasimo, who is awesome at talking about uh, taking care of yourself and understanding a lot of uh, information behind that, like science-y stuff. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, like health science-y. Healthy science-y stuff? Yeah. She's, she was great to talk to. Uh, you guys are all in for a very healthy treat. Oh my gosh. In this episode. Wow. Um, I really like talking with Pilar. It was great. I'm excited that I'm not in charge of saying her last name because I would just butcher it every time. Gerasimo. Yeah. Want to call out that um, you did say, I was as I was listening back through it, you did say that it was great to do a whole 30 last spring, so I'm counting on you again this spring. Uh-oh. Yeah. I signed myself up for another whole 30, apparently. It's on tape. <laughs> so we'll be setting is it, a... Is setting, it in the can? It's in the can, so <laughs> we'll be setting up a date for that. I also want to say a couple things about the upcoming super exciting live episode just a couple things though yeah because it's the slow unveil but we're getting close to the point where uh we need to give you more uh uh detail because i think the tickets are going to go on sale this coming week well uh-huh i that's think great. i think but i'm not 100 percent sure but I want you to keep an eye out on Minneapolis Mad Women. Let me see. I think it's MinneapolisMadWomen.org. MPLSMadWomen.com. Great. Uh, keep an eye on those guys. They're going to have uh, the tickets for this live event on sale through their Eventbrite. So they'll be posting on their socials and their website. We'll send out the links as well. But you'll get it faster through them. That sounds awesome. So keep an eye. But the episode is called... Lighten up, lifting the burden of ingrained gender stereotypes. Heck yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's to dig into ingrained gender-specific perceptions about strength and weakness and how they show up in the workplace. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Pretty excited about it. Our guests are Allison Beatty of Minneapolis Mad Women. She's the mad woman behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chad Gillard of Go-Kart Labs and Midwest Pantry. I've heard of that lad. Mm-hmm. He's been on the show. He's a good friend. And also Erin Farrell of Space 150. She's the managing director and uh, runs their New York office. That's awesome. Yeah. Sounds so like a great lineup. And then us two. Well, pros. obviously we're going to be leading the conversation. Yeah. So you get to look forward to all of those awesome people. Mm-hmm. All in the intimate riverfront setting of the Astor River Room. Yeah, that's going to be great. That's all. Let's go to the episode. Let's cut to that episode. Three, two, one, go. Bye. All right, let's do it. And we're recording. Okay. Hi, Pilar. Hi, Ellie. Uh, hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. Hi. Hi, Pilar. Hi, <laughs> Ellie. Hello, <laughs> everyone. World. Hello. Josh and I are can see each other's faces, but we can't see Pilar's face because we're Skyping it today. Are you at the farm? Very. I am. Yes. Thank you for uh, allowing me to stay in my pastoral surroundings here in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> oh, sure. It's, <laughs> I um, I would have had that preference if I was there as well. So no problem. 
Uh, also, I we are still in our pajamas because we've been working in the basement all day. So mm-hmm. wouldn't have been good. All right. For, wouldn't have been good for any of us. This is like everybody's dream of being a podcaster, right? you know? working <laughs> like in your staying pajamas. in your pajamas. <laughs> I'm actually so grateful that it was time to do this recording because I was really tired of the job I was doing. <laughs> she was. I can confirm that. <laughs> we, uh, we've been going through all of our storage and trying to get rid of stuff and uh, we're trimming down and uh, wow, I'm, I was getting I was getting kind of kind of sick of it. So nice talking to you. Takes a lot of energy. It really does. Decluttering and spring cleaning and, you know, minimalizing yourself is incredibly energy intensive. Yeah. Well, you have to let it's uh it's emotional because you have to let some stuff go. So there's a lot of it's exactly not, it's not just physically challenging, but the, it's uh it's emotional. We took a whole truckload of stuff out of the basement and then went back down there to get after it some more. So Oof. yeah peeling off that's like peeling off parts of your identity and just letting them go just let it go <laughs> yeah yep for sure uh so a couple words um i'll give a little introduction about you and you can embellish it along the way for uh for our listeners who aren't familiar with your work but you're the founding editor of experience life magazine correct Correct. And some of our listeners may recognize this as the magazine published by Lifetime Fitness, but the magazine has grown out beyond the walls of the gym, hasn't it? And is available just out in the world? Yes, absolutely. I think it was always intended to grow beyond the walls of Lifetime. And Lifetime, I think now, you know, calls themselves, they call themselves the Healthy Way of Life Company. Mm -hmm. And I think that they're ambitions are reaching even beyond their own um, facilities into a space that really has more to do with shifting the way people live out in the general culture. But yeah, yeah, the magazine is available on newsstands nationwide and to non-member subscribers. And it's winning national awards right alongside all of the conventional health and fitness magazines that are out there. So we're really proud of it having earned a life of its own. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And you, you have written a book in the last couple of years as well, right? The Art of Being Healthy in an Unhealthy World? Yeah, actually, I'm in the process of writing that oh. book. It turns out that it's a very large undertaking writing a book. I, having written, I don't know how many, I think I've done 125 or 130 episode, or episodes, <laughs> <laughs> issues of the magazine. I'm thinking in episodes now because I'm working on a podcast That's too. Cool. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. But, uh, yeah, well, we'll get to that. But the the magazine itself, you know, is just this enormous um, an undertaking that I've been doing for the past 15 years. But when I sat down to start working on a book, I realized that it the most challenging thing in the world is taking 15 years worth of your knowledge and experience and trying to compact it into a single book. So it's it's been like three different books, I would say, over the course of the past 24 months. And I'm finally circling in on what I think it will be when it gets published. But uh, it's still very much a work in progress. Oh, that's cool. Well, we mm-hmm. can't wait. We can't wait to see it. Uh, read it. Thank you. We're not just going to look at it. We'll actually read it. <laughs> we'll, we'll read it. Um, so I saw also that you had written a healthy living manifest and it sounded like that turned into an inspiration for a mobile app. Can you talk, is that, is that out there? Yes. What can you tell us? about? Yeah, that, that is. Oh, absolutely. It's one of my favorite topics. Um, cool. yeah. So in 2010, 
I wrote a manifesto for thriving in a mixed up world, actually, as part of a larger article that I wrote called Being Healthy is a Revolutionary Act, uh, perspectives on thriving in a mixed up world or something like that. I no longer remember the name of the article, but this idea that being healthy is a revolutionary act was such a big idea that we decided to make it the tagline for the magazine, which it still is currently today. In the process of thinking about what that really meant to me, um, my mentor, Dorothy Kalins, who's just an incredible thinker and editor, suggested that I write it up in a little insert. And that became this manifesto, which is a 10-point um, handbook, really, for how to go about being a healthy person in a world that is not all that healthy, which, of course, is now what I'm writing about a larger book. But this 10-point manifesto then turned into 101 revolutionary ways to be healthy. And that seemed like a really natural um, basis for a mobile app, which we created, I think, in 2011. And it's just a really fun, relatively simple app in that it delivers each one of these 101 ways in turn. And uh, there's a revolutionary act of the day. And each of the ways links to articles that let you go deeper with the topic or the idea or the perspective um, that's represented by that one of the 101 revolutionary ways to be healthy. So it's been out there for a few years. It's had uh, more than 200,000 downloads loads. And last time I checked, it was getting really good ratings. And everybody seems to enjoy it from little kids to older people, because it's kind of agnostic in its um, in its voice that really speaks for uh, the needs of everybody, not just, you know, pandering to a particular advertising oriented audience, which is one of my great complaints about most of the healthy living content these days is it's artificially narrowed to audiences that advertisers want to reach rather than really addressing what's common uh, to all of us in, in our health and happiness seeking. Right. Cool. All right. Well, we'll check that out too. And we'll link to it in our, uh, in our show notes here. But so the, the gist Thank is you, you uh, it seems like you want us to be healthy. <laughs> That's the gist. Yeah. I mean, the gist is that I think everybody wants to be healthier mm -hmm. and or happier than they are. And mm -hmm. I tend to combine health and happiness because in my mind, it's really difficult to seek one without acknowledging the importance of the other. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think my biggest passion is that I personally would like to live in a healthier, happier world. And I recognize that each of us seeking our own health individually is valuable, but it works best if you understand the larger context uh, and the larger challenges in that context, namely that we live in a culture that makes it really challenging for most people to be healthy and happy on a daily basis. And um, by way of perspective, I often share some statistics that, you know, just to give people a sense of what they're up against, we live in a culture that right now produces, reliably produces more unhealthy people <laughs> than it does healthy ones. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you think about 50% of the adult U.S. population is right now, they are diagnosed with an actual disease, a chronic disease of some kind. So that's already bad enough. But then you figure two thirds of people are overweight or obese. Um, something in the neighborhood of two thirds of people are struggling with some level of psycho-emotional difficulty like depression or anxiety. And I think 70% of U.S. adults are dependent on at least one prescription drug on a daily basis. And taken as a whole, you know, that's really disconcerting and discouraging. But it means if you are a person who is right now trying to improve your own health and happiness, you're doing it against a kind of um, dominant culture and a tide that is moving against you. And I think it's just not often acknowledged um, that, you know, it's it's not a matter of just you finding a particular diet or workout regimen and sticking to it. It's about staying conscious of all of these subtler forces in the society and in our environment that are working against you all the time. 
And I don't mean to be sounding negative or depressing. If anything, I think it's kind of an empowering point of view to go, look, you're doing pretty well if you're managing even marginally at this point. And once you shift your perspective to one of um, kind of a hero's journey, you know, of like, hey, I'm, I'm riding into this dark forest. It takes courage and it takes strength and willingness to experiment to get to the other side. And that's really what I'm advocating for, um, is that everybody kind of identify for themselves where they want to be in that drama and what role they want to play in it. That's awesome. Cool. So the, the specific reason that we wanted to have a chat today is because we it se- may seem a little bit far away, but it's sooner than everyone thinks. Uh, spring is coming. And we're hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> we're here in the Midwest in uh, Minnesota. And we um, what I'm starting to think about is, well, spring is coming and I'm still going to have to work. So I think <laughs> I think a lot of people will be uh, in that boat. So we're looking for some advice from you on how we can um, find some health and balance as we head into the sp- into springtime without going crazy because we do still have to put in our work time and really all we're going to want to do is go out and play. So do you have any (laughs) just general (laughs) advice about how we can make this transition? Yeah. I mean, first, I really want to acknowledge you guys for recognizing the importance of seasonal change and of awareness of the seasons as a um, a really important factor in people's health and happiness. Again, we live in a culture that tends to ignore that. We're really disconnected from nature and mm-hmm. consistency is something that people seek. But the truth mm-hmm. is that everything in nature moves in these cycles and rhythms and we're part of nature too. And I think we ignore those cycles at our peril. Um, one of the, you're absolutely right that that's also a source of anxiety for people is when they feel the call and pull of nature asking them to come outside and play, but they're being required by their, you know, responsibilities, their jobs, the um, schedule that they have at work to kind of keep their butt in the chair and their head inside or their Mm -hmm. head in the game of their work. So I think I can give you some strategies that are, you know, I think practical, tactical things that help or that I do myself. But I think the first thing is to really just be aware that that is a a very true righteous experience and to not get down on yourself or get down on your life because you're feeling that way. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that that often causes stress for people is feeling a certain way, but not allowing themselves to name it or honor it. And I know this sounds a little bit airy fairy, but that feeling when you're getting up in the morning and you look outside and you see it's a really beautiful day and part of you goes down a little because you're like, oh crap, you know, I really want to be outside and I can't go outside. Well, you feel but, guilt. But, you know, yeah, you feel guilt if you're not doing it. You feel guilt for wasting the day if you are going into work and you feel guilty for playing hooky if you don't. Either way. So yeah, you're kind of, yeah, you're trapped in this bind and that's no fun. Um, So I think first things first is like recognize you're a natural, you're, you're part of nature and this is a normal human healthy response to be having. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second thing is obviously looking for ways that you can find a connection to the pleasurable part of being outside, even while you're observing your other responsibilities. One of the things that I do, um, I have a morning practice that I I talk a lot about because it's one of the most fundamental things I feel like that works in my favor in, in terms of my health and happiness pursuits. But during the summertime, I will often do my morning practice outside. 
Mm. And that could be as simple as taking a cup of coffee um, and my breakfast and going and sitting outside and enjoying the birds and the sun coming up and the smell of morning on the air and noticing what's growing. I kind of walk around my house sometimes and just see like, oh, look, you know, lilies of the valley are coming up or, hey, that spot of snow is shrinking. (laughs) And, And something as simple as just giving yourself the gift of a few minutes. And I mean, literally three minutes to five minutes is often enough to make you feel a little bit more plugged in. That can be something that um, gives you a sense of connection and of exposure to nature and to the season that can be really gratifying. More importantly, I think it can kind of give you a, a a connecting point to come back to later in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting outside obviously for lunch or for a break um, is another really important thing to do. And unfortunately, again, this is one of the ways that our culture has trained us is to just go to work and stay at work and not take a break and not raise our head up out of our work for eight or nine or 10 or 14 hours, that will leave you feeling really crappy. And there's a reason it will leave you feeling crappy because it's working dramatically and drastically against the natural cycles of your energy and your body. So um, the other thing I suggest to people is taking ultradian rhythm breaks. And I don't know if you guys have heard of ultradian rhythms, no. but I would be happy to explain those if you would like. Yeah. yeah. So um, this is really another interesting kind of nature intelligence um, item, but you know, you've probably heard of circadian rhythms, the rhythms yeah. of 24 hours that we, you know, they, those are the things that get messed up when we go on jet planes or stay up all night. Um, our, our cycles of waking and sleeping, but it turns out that our bodies also have smaller rhythms that occur many times throughout the course of the day. And they're called ultradian rhythms, like ultra, but ultradian rhythms. And it's really interesting. What they do is they kind of have a cycle of higher energy and output going into a lower cycle of energy and output, a kind of peak going into a trough. And if you think about, you know, how a heart rate looks on a graph, you know, Mm -hmm. it kind of goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it goes down. Our energy is doing that same thing. Um, Every about 90 to 120 minutes, we have the experience of going into an energy trough. And you probably know what this feels like. It's that moment where you've been working along nicely and then all of a sudden you feel like you're losing your focus or you've been Suddenly you can't string a sentence together or your eyes start to feel kind of heavy <laughs> and dry. I felt that. <laughs> yeah. Or you look outside and you suddenly feel like, oh my God, it's beautiful out. What am I doing inside? Uh-huh. All of those um, experiences also, by the way, feeling like you're suddenly a little hungry or that you might have to go to the bathroom. Those are your body's way of telling you that your body's ways of telling you that it needs to take a break. And the reason it needs to take a break is that you've built up all of the byproducts of your, um, productive energy, just like a car has an exhaust that comes out the tailpipe, your body has byproducts that it produces as it's going through its, you know, high efficiency work, both mental and physical, and they build up in your system. And part of what your body wants to do is have a break so that it can get rid of that waste product and it can neurologically connect ideas and all crap that's gone into your mental inbox it needs to file. And mm-hmm. if you give it a little break, it will do that quite handily. And then your energy will come back up again. Um, this is important for a bunch of reasons that are probably larger topics than we want to go into today, given the topic that you're focusing on. But I think it's important for people to know that for two reasons, 
one is their health really depends on them observing these energy cycles. Their immunity can suffer if they don't. Your creativity and productivity go down dramatically after about an hour and a half or two hours of focusing on something intensively. Your metabolism can suffer. It tends to provoke blood sugar imbalances, cravings, metabolic disturbances. So there's a lot of really good justification occasions to take the break. And I would say, particularly with spring blooming and nicer weather on the way, this is a really good time to get yourself out into the sunshine or into mm -hmm. the fresh air, because it has a really dramatic shift of perspective for your brain to change your environment that way. If you think about it, part of what we dread when we go into work when it's nice outside is being cooped up all day. You're breathing building air, you're just moving paper around. It's really profoundly unsatisfying. Right. And if you can get yourself outside, you don't have to go outside for a half an hour. You don't have to go outside for an hour. If you go outside for five or 10 minutes and just walk around the parking lot or walk around the building or sit on a park bench and just close your eyes, and let some sun shine on your face and um, smell the air, you know, the fabulous parking lot air. I know it's not always awesome, but um, even little nods in the direction of nature and taking these kinds of ultradian rhythm breaks is another really good strategy for enjoying a little bit more of a connection with nature. And then remembering back to when you were outside that morning and maybe doing a little meditation on how that felt. These are incredibly deceptively simple tricks, but they, for me, have proven really, really helpful in, in making me feel a little bit less anxiety about, um, about going back into work. Well, yeah, I, oh, I actually, um, I've been trying to do that myself at work and I, I notice like a real improvement when I'm able to go out and for 15 minutes or, or whatever I'm able to, to spare in my lunch break, just going out and, and, um, walking around outside for even that amount of time or like 10 minutes, even it, it vastly improves my day. It seems like it would it's increase huge. your productivity if if your mm -hmm. brain is able to take some of that, make those connections again, if you can take a break and step away. So I know sometimes we don't step away from our work because we don't think we have time to, but if we do step away, we could increase our productivity and, and actually um, think better, I guess. Dramatically. Yeah. And there's a lot of research to support that, um, Ellie. And you're right. In, instinctively, I think we know it, but sometimes it's reassuring to know that this stuff has actually been studied. Mm -hmm. The, uh, In fact, the, Depart the Department of Defense has done a lot of research on ultradian rhythms. Um, and I think that they've probably done also some interesting research on exposure to nature, although a lot of that research has been done by other bodies. Um, but I'm familiar with both sets of research. And the thing about ultradian rhythms that's really interesting is after about an hour and a half to two hours, hours um, without a break, you start to make a great deal more errors. And you also <laughs> start to kind of struggle against the resistance of all those waste products. So hmm. based on what they've studied with like the military, they did studies to look at people who were doing difficult, um, intensive acts like, oh, defusing bombs or mine sweeping or night watch or looking hmm. at patterns and codes, the things that military people do. And they realized your brain simply is not capable of applying its top focus beyond about uh, 90 to 120 minutes. And if you continue to work beyond that point, your error rate increases dramatically and your efficiency goes down. Hmm. And this is one of those reasons that people often 
and say, oh, I get my best ideas in the shower or, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I, I took a break to go out, take a run. And suddenly I solved the problem while I was having a run. Mm-hmm. That's really, really normal. And it, there's a lot of neurological and, and biochemical reasons that that's true. But if it helps people to uh, justify taking those breaks, it's, it's really worth remembering. It's not just an excuse. It really does improve your productivity and it also improves your resilience. I think one thing we oftentimes don't really do the math on is if you run yourself down enough that you get sick, you're going to lose a lot more time. Or if you run yourself down enough that you become reactive and end up in an argument with someone you work with or have an altercation or a bad experience with them, or, you know, or you make a mistake, how much time do you spend cleaning up that mess? Um, This is important stuff to think about. And I think also really great motivation to take a break at the first really the first um, indication that your body gives you that it wants one. It's like your body is your friend, you know, and that that experience of looking out the window and having it say, you know, come outside, Ellie, (laughs) Josh, come outside, (laughs) take a break. (laughs) You know, we would do well to listen to those voices a little bit more carefully than we do. Oh, for sure. And I have the added problem of, uh, so we ride our bikes to work most of the year and my bike uh, we have a space in the office where the bikes all just sit there. And so I'll walk past it several times a day. And it's like, it's always looking at me <laughs> <laughs> like, let's go. Take me for a spin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, I think, go ahead. I was just going to, yeah, I was just going to say, I think, you know, what you're describing in all of these, um, these moments of, you know, being rewarded on the one hand for taking those breaks and going outside and also feeling the kind of bittersweet call of activity and of nature during the course of the day, we maybe feel that more acutely in the spring, um, because it's just more pleasant to be outside, but those, those same desires are there all year round. And spring is just a particularly good time to establish a pattern of getting out a little bit more often, taking a break. And obviously if you can commute on a bike or um, by public transport or on foot, that's a built in way of spending a little bit more time doing, um, really a a healthy act uh, without having to justify it. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes uh, what I did, one of my questions is, you know, it's a little, hopefully it's a little late because we're coming to the end of winter. But one Mm -hmm. of my questions is what kinds of things can we do in the winter to uh, kind of uh, decrease the, decrease the level of um, intensity that the, that the transition is. And one of the things I do is, I'll, you know, if we're driving to work, I'll ask to get out, like if it's warm enough, if how, depending on how far, how warm it is, how, or how cold it is, I'll ask to get out, get dropped off a few blocks early so I can just get a few extra steps in, or I'll go walk in the skyway because I work downtown or what other things That's great. can we do in the winter time to keep from, uh, having a dramatic transition? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I definitely think, you know, the more exposure you have to the shifting season by from being outside, the better. But there's also things you can do with your diet, for example, nutritionally. Mm-hmm. I think switching your diet to more fresh foods. Um, you know, we think about winter as kind of the comfort food season and people are eating a lot of, um, you know, macaroni and cheese. Yeah. And yeah. Exactly. Potato. Which isn't necessarily what I would suggest any other time of the year, but sure. as as spring is drawing nigh, you know, you will start to see more fresh produce available. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also, you know, important to for your body to kind of gradually gear up into eating um more of these uh fruits and um 
and leafy vegetables and things because your body, you know, it's microbiome, all of the healthy little flora and fauna, they, they do better with gradual shifts and um, they, they like seasonal eating. Everything in your body likes to have variety. It doesn't really want you to eat the same thing season in and season out, but you also don't want to suddenly switch to an all watermelon diet one day and, um, you know, <laughs> it's going to be no good. Yeah. I have it will done not that. be good. <clears throat> yeah. It's it's delicious, but <laughs> no, it's not approved. No protein. What? So <laughs> do you so do you have any spring rituals or traditions that you do? I know um, there's a lot of different yeah. ones, but what are your favorite ones? Yeah. Well, some of them are actually the the decluttering routine that you guys just described that you're going through. I, I do observe a kind of spring decluttering schedule as a rule. I know right now it's all the rage because the um, the uh, the condo book, you know, is like on the top of the New York Times bestseller list. And the, it's the life changing power of tidying up, I believe, is the title of her book. Oh, I haven't, um, yeah. I haven't even seen that. Even, <laughs> oh, this is this is like a whole cultural zeitgeist right now. Yeah. Um, and she, she has a, an approach to decluttering that's kind of very technical and it's very ordered. Um, but one of the central questions is looking at pretty much every object in your life and asking, does it spark joy? And effectively, oh. she suggests getting rid of almost everything else. So and that's kind of like, does a spatula bring you joy? I don't know. You know, you have to go through <laughs> this whole <laughs> like mattering math of your own. But um, but I think that the 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 excitement that can come from lightening your worldly burden and, and clearing out the detritus of the winter, all the stuff that's accumulated, taking a look at the things like all of the winter hats and mittens and, you know, things you've accumulated mm -hmm. multiple versions of or that you've lost one of. Um, sometimes it feels really good. Also, even just laundering that stuff and packing it away once it's clean as a mm -hmm opposed to letting all of that winter stuff stay on the surface mm -hmm. when all the spring stuff wants to come in. Creating space for a seasonal change is really important. So I like to do that um, both in the spring and in the fall. And then I do a similar thing with my body, which is some version of a detox program. And that can be as simple as just really <clears throat> going more exclusively with whole foods, doing something like the whole 30, which I'm a big fan of, um, which is not a really very extreme diet or detox, but effectively it's like an elimination diet. Mm -hmm. We actually <clears throat> Excuse did that. Me. Yeah, we oh, did well, it. Oh, awesome. How we, did it yeah. go for you? We did it last year. It went pretty great. Um, I, I dropped a lot of weight and I, I think Ellie did I'm a little. I'm basically still on it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much I've heard just a lot of eat salad now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, one of the things I actually like about the whole 30 is that it isn't just salad, but you can sure yeah. eat salads as much as you want and stay on it, but that it's, you know, it's a pretty robust way of eating that includes plenty of protein and healthy fat and lots and lots and lots of fiber rich and phytonutrient vegetables, which is pretty much how I like to eat all year round too. <laughs> it's just that in the spring and in the fall, I, I give myself a little bit more focus and for the period of, you know, somewhere between a week and a month, I, I put more attention on clearing my diet of the stuff that's kind of crept in around the edges, like, oh, yeah. you know, or just excessive things. Like I drink a lot more coffee in the wintertime, I've noticed. Mm -hmm. And in the spring, I start trying to include a morning drink that I make in my blender. Although you could make it in a juicer if you've got a juicer, but most people don't. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, 
I throw a um, about a half cup of organic apple cider in my blender and about a half cup of water. And I add two stalks of celery, two leaves of kale, a whole cucumber, half of a lemon. And if I have any herbs that I want to throw in or ginger, sometimes I'll do that. And then I just blend the bejesus out of it in my Vitamix <laughs> until it <laughs> turns into kind of a smoothie, if you will. Uh-huh. But it's this green, vegetable-rich, um, slightly sweet because of the apple, but doesn't have very much sugar in it. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Um, I drink that down rather than drinking three more cups of coffee. It's interesting. Once I start with the green juice, my appetite for the coffee really just falls off. And I I feel like kind of is a mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically cleansing thing that just reminds me that I'm moving into spring and I want to feel green and light and clear. And it does all of those things. And I think physically, all of that... um, all of that fiber that is, you know, now blended up into kind of a nice gelatinous goo functions more or less like a pipe cleaner. I mean, it just moves right through your system and any gunk that's been hanging onto the insides of your intestines goes along out with it. And uh, excuse me if I'm freaking anybody else by no, out. Being it's got to happen. But let's face it, your body builds up a lot of gunge from all that macaroni and cheese during the course of winter. Mm-hmm. And, and um, it sometimes needs some assistance on the way out. But at the same time that all the fiber is taking all that gunk out, all the phytonutrients and all of the healthy things are helping to repair your cell tissue and your intestinal lining. And ultimately, I just end up feeling so much better after a couple of weeks of doing that. And it just gives me a sense of transitioning in a healthy way into the season and where I know I'm going to want to eat more raw fruits and vegetables because my body's just hungry for them. I'm not a big fan of raw diets as a rule, like all raw. Mm-hmm. And I really don't like any, like an intensive amount of raw food in the winter or fall. But in the spring or summer that my body is much happier with it. And I think eating cool, juicy, fresh things just is a natural way of making that transition feel better. Cool. That's good advice. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, I don't know if you know about the random questions jar. We have a random question ritual. We do. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's a it's jar. like an oracle, right? Where <laughs> the, the right question for me will come out of the jar. No, you're, you're the oracle. You, the jar is just asking <laughs> questions. So we, uh-huh. um, we, the last question of every episode is that we um, have our guests draw a question out. Since we're on Skype, if you were reaching your hand into the jar, where would you go? Oh, right, oh. That, right, right, exactly where you put your finger. Yep, that. <laughs> Got it. All right, I'm going to read you this. Oh, my gosh. This is a really general question. Ooh. Uh, so you can answer this however you want. But the question is, what do you want to accomplish? Ooh, that's very timely. Um, oh, really? Well, I would... <laughs> yeah. This morning I was throwing kind of a creative hissy fit because <laughs> I really want to finish my book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think I would really like to accomplish that. It's, um, as I mentioned, you know, for me, it's a whole different adventure to, to write this way and to compose something for this format, mm-hmm. but it feels like something that wants out of me. So that's, that's what I would like to accomplish right now. We want you to accomplish that too, because we want to read it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, Pilar, it has been awesome talking to you, and I feel like uh, we and our listeners have gotten a lot of really good ideas about how to get ready for spring and how to go out and play and get our work done. So thank you so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. You, you are most welcome. Do you have a, a, anything that you'd like to, to plug 
uh, as we head out of the episode? <laughs> well, um, let's see. I always like to plug the 101 Revolutionary Ways to Be Healthy. And I think if folk are, folks are looking for a new spring routine, getting into the healthy, the revolutionary act of the day is a great thing to do. That's mm-hmm. available through um, the App Store. And it's for, I think, pretty much every device you can imagine. Um, I would plug my own social channels just because I think it's fun to connect with people. And I'd love to be hooked up with the folks you guys are hooked up with. And those are easy to find through my website, which is just my whole name spelled out.com so p-i-l-a-r-g-e-r-a-s-i-m-o pilargerasimo.com okay. i know all um, and otherwise i, know I think all it's just you know it. all the stuff you guys are yay that mm-hmm. makes me happy thank you so much yeah yeah and the only other thing i would say is to people who are you know contemplating the change of season keep in mind that you know spring is really the energy of moving forward and if you're feeling called to get outside as part of that energy spending a little bit of time out there is probably going to reward you in ways that you can't even yet imagine. Yep. That is true. You can even just one last note. I think it's okay to try to leave work a little bit early and go outside during the evening. And then you can do kind of a split shift where you go back (laughs) when like later when the nice part of the day is over. Absolutely. Or just don't go back at all. Get out early. (laughs) Just go. Get your stuff done and go. Yeah. Good. Cool. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pilar. It was great talking to you. My pleasure. It's great being with you guys. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening, humans. As always, you can find us on Twitter, at ProHumans, on our Facebook page, ProHumans Podcast, on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash prohumans, or go the easy route and log on to prohumans.com where you can find all that stuff and more. This is Danger wishing you a professional week.